Welcome to another episode of Raw Dating Advice, guys. This is a really special episode because I got a relatively, at least new to me, dating coach who's on the scene. Her name is Tessa Mack. Um, I'll be honest, I, I first saw you on one of the based Zeus videos where it was like um, paid a Fiverr dating coach or something. And I was like, oh, interesting. She actually kind of knows her stuff. So I gave you a follow and decided to eventually reach out. Um, and so now you're on the show. So welcome to Raw Dating Advice. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And that's awesome that you found me in Base Zeus. I've gotten so many interesting opportunities from that. So this being one of them. Really? Yes. Nice. What are, what are some of the other things that have come from that? I've gotten a few like press things. I've gotten a ton of clients and um, yeah, some podcast requests. So yeah, really enjoying being on that channel. It's been a great opportunity. And we and now I've been collaborating with him a little bit as well on the back end. So that's been awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't I don't personally know him, but he seems to have uh, a lot of things going on over there. But um, I was curious because when I started checking out your um, Fiverr profile, is that like your main place where you got your start was doing Fiverr? Yeah, so it's currently not my main source of income, although I still have my Fiverr up because I actually learned about once a year, I'll get like some really cool opportunity from Fiverr. So I, I just always have it up like last year. I got um, an audition for a Netflix show, which was so Whoa. weird. Yeah. So like every now and then there's something really cool, like the base Zeus thing or the Netflix show. So I keep that up. But um, the funny thing is actually I was the original dating coach on Fiverr. I started in 2014 on Fiverr. I had just quit my job. I was um, selling cars at Tesla in New York City. So I was wow. Tesla, Tesla selling cars. It was my first job out of college and I quit it randomly. And for some reason, instead of getting another like real job, quote unquote, I just, I looked at Fiverr and I just started dating coaching. I, I can't even say like how it just sort of happened. And I became the original dating coach on Fiverr and now there's like a whole section on it and there's other people. So yeah, that's how it yeah. all began on Fiverr. Interesting. You started doing that uh, roughly around the same time that I got into coaching myself. Um, I actually dropped out of dental school to become a dating coach. And that led to me obviously starting this YouTube channel, which in reality, like you look back on it and you think, wow, you're going to drop out of dental school to become a dentist that you were already accepted into and already in to start a YouTube channel about picking up chicks. And yeah, it sounds crazy, but you know, uh, luckily I did because here I am, but that's, that's interesting that you've been doing that for almost seven years at this point as well. And, um, you know, one of the things I first noticed when I saw your profile was I was like, huh, I didn't know this was like a subsection of Fiverr. And, uh, and I noticed immediately you're the most expensive dating coach on Fiverr as well. And I was like, now that's a competitive advantage, but being one of the other dating coaches on Fiverr probably isn't much of a competitive advantage. Um, what have you found? Like some, anything like that from your experience being on Fiverr? What do you mean? Oh, with competition and stuff? Yeah. Like what is that like? I didn't even know this was a thing. And is that like a competitive advantage that you would say is making your profile the most expensive one um, that we could find as like a dating coach? Well, so since my main source of income is through like the funnel I'm building, my website, my Instagram, um, I just have the same rates I have everywhere else. So it's, it's, I don't like need to be on Fiverr, but I am. So I think all the other dating coaches are extremely cheap. So there's a lot of great, less yeah. expensive options. And I'm just like, these are my prices, take it or leave it kind of thing. Yeah. 
you know? And so I think it does. And also when you charge more, um, you get a different type of client for sure. And I, and so, yeah, it's like it, it, it attracts a different type of market as well. So I think that I'm not really interested in people who are like only willing to invest $20 into their dating life. It's like, this is arguably the most important thing you could be focusing on. So if you're not willing to invest, you're probably not going to get a lot out of what you're doing, whatever it is you're doing, like time, energy, money, all that, you know, it, it takes effort and it takes intention. So, yeah, no, that's, that's really dope. Yeah. I, I, I guess I wanted to bring that up just because to me, I was like thinking about it. I was like, huh, maybe I should be on Fiverr. Well, I, I didn't even know that was a thing. Cause like, usually when you think about Fiverr, like you said, the mentality is like, how can I get someone for five bucks? Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that, like you said, it kind of does help that, you know, th- this isn't your main thing. So you, you don't necessarily need all these yeah. people to be coming up and booking you up on Fiverr. Um, so what are some of the, like, I, I think I saw another thing about like, you're a consultant to a CEO of a dating, uh, app. Is that true as well? Um, not anymore, but I used to help with a blockchain dating app, which was an interesting experience. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, blockchain is like cryptocurrencies, which are pretty popular right now. So that yeah. was, um, and it, yeah, I helped manage the community. And, um, I think the most fun thing I got to do with that job is we threw a, a party at a five-star French castle right outside of Paris. So that was for, wow. yeah. So that was a really good, that was super fun. So what you're saying is you've been into cryptocurrency for quite some time now. Uh, yeah, I do. I do have some cryptocurrencies. I'm like, not, I'm not like super in it right now, but I definitely invested back in the day, not super back in the day. I'm not like a secret billionaire or anything, but yeah. yes. I, ironically, like blockchain, that all really confused me. And so I didn't even think to look into it until like maybe March. Um, and that was like right when Ethereum started going up and I was like, well, I got in at kind of the right time, I guess. Yeah, no, it's, it's so crazy. And, um, yeah, it was a really cool opportunity. We got to meet like a lot of the Ethereum founders and all this stuff, because at the, at the time I was working for them, it was like super exciting. It was the first time that Bitcoin really gone up. So I was going to like all these crypto conventions doing for dating and it was just, it was a wild time. It was yeah. pretty yeah, the whole concept of like blockchain really kind of blows my mind. How would that have worked? Like, how does a dating app work on blockchain? Like, what what, what is that? Um, it basically stored all your data on the blockchain. It it. I'll be honest. I personally don't think dating apps need to be on blockchain. They're, I mean, it didn't in the end. The it didn't work out, and I moved on. But it was um it was a cool concept, and we really tried. But um, yeah, yeah basically it would store your data on the blockchain and had this special algorithm that would, it would match you based on all this data and it was secure apparently. So that was There's kind of the idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly, kinda... I didn't, I, sorry. I didn't know what blockchain was at the time. I was just doing dating yeah. stuff and I knew these people. And so that's kind of how I got into it. That's yeah, that's really dope. Yeah. I, I guess uh, I could definitely talk about blockchain for days. Cause that's something that interests me as well. Um, uh, but anyways, it, like, it kind of reminds me of like the internet. So it's like, even if it didn't work out, it's like the, you were pioneering a new avenue of blockchain anyways. Um, so, you know, one of what's like one of the things that you see a lot of people really struggling with when they do come to you on Fiverr. Cause I can, like, I, like you said, I can only imagine the amount of different varieties of people that you get to talk to through that, you know? 
So on Fiverr specifically or just in general? In general. I mean, it's uh, honestly kind of the, it's kind of similar. Yeah. Some people come to me for, you know, profile stuff. And then other people come to me for like really deep mindset blocks and like overcoming their fears. Like I have one client who gets super triggered by, by being rejected. It's like his biggest fear in the whole world. And, um, I've had him, we've been practicing working up to asking people out. So he's been going out on the street and asking people to borrow a hundred dollars and just getting used to being rejected. Yeah. So I have, I have clients do kind of fun things like that. And then I also have a practice dating business where guys can come and go on practice first zoom dates with beautiful, interesting women. And then they get feedback afterwards on how they did. So that's been really fun as well. And that's like something you're you're currently doing, right? I think I remember you mentioning something like demo date. Is that what you call yeah, it? Yeah, date demo. Yes. Okay. How does that how does that work? The date demo. Um. So yeah, basically you you conduct you show up on Zoom and you get to you get to choose which girl you want to go on a date with. Right now, there's only three on the website, but we're gonna have six in the next few days, so that's exciting. So we'll have six amazing ladies to choose from you get to book your date and then you show up just like you would on a normal zoom date, which is sort of common now with COVID and everything. And yeah, it's supposed to feel just like a first date. So if you want to like practice, except you get to practice. So it's like, Oh, does this flirting technique work? Or like, what if I tried doing something like this way or whatever, you get to actually do that and have this dating experience. And then afterwards, like we go, there's a whole comprehensive feedback form that goes over like your appearance, communication, the questions you ask, like the main takeaways and all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah, that's really interesting. So like on these Zoom, on these like these demo dates, right? Do they have to fill out like a questionnaire and then do you guys get on and give some basics or do you like from the moment you guys start on the Zoom call, it's like as if you guys are on a date? So um, there's a very short questionnaire. It just asks people like, why are you excited about going on a practice date? Like, what are you trying to learn? And then how did you hear about us? So it's very simple. But then, um, yeah, when you go on the date, me or the whoever's on it, um, they give a short little introduction, like, you know, welcome to your practice date. Like, just so you know, like to sort of set the container and be like, this is supposed to feel just like a real date. So we're going to have like a really exciting conversation and just be yourself or do whatever you would usually do on a date. And then afterwards you'll get the feedback form within 48 hours. And then, so it's sort of, and then you sort of start the scene. So it, it's like, it's really just like a normal date. There's no like coaching or anything like that. Got it. So it's legit just a practice date. And then you get like, I guess, honest, real feedback yeah. from that person. It, it's like the kind of thing that when you go on a date and you think it went well, but then the girl ghosts you and you don't know why it's like, we actually give you those answers. And it's real. So it's a lot of very direct feedback. It's, it's a lot of, I guess, tough love. It's like, it comes from a very compassionate, loving place, but it's, it's the stuff that no one will actually freaking tell you, you know? So it's yeah. been, it's super helpful for people. How hard do you guys really go in on these dudes? Do you like critique like their conversation choice or do you say, bro, you need to change the hair. You need to fucking get some shampoo. All of it. All of it. Yeah. If someone looks like a slob, we'll tell them gently, but directly. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We like everything. I mean, like, for example, if I was on a practice day right now, like my room would be critiqued because like I'm, um, I'm staying at an Airbnb, but I'm like at my childhood room for this particular day. So if I was on a practice date, they would be like, you know, you should probably not have like little glass figures (laughs) or whatever. 
Hey, I mean, if you're into that sort of thing, I mean, some guys would probably be watching that and you you don't even know they're probably admiring the glass figures in the back. But, I mean, but like the mess and stuff. So it's like, you know what I mean? So typically I'm a pretty organized person, but if I was on a practice day right now, my room would get scorched for sure. My, mm. you know, and like, I, I don't think I look that slobby, but like my parents would be like, oh, your hair, your shirt, your background. Um, you know, some people have really nice, tasteful art on the wall and like good lighting. Some people they're like on their iPhone in the dark and it's just like, what am I looking at? So it's, it really goes over like the shallow stuff and the deep stuff as well. And goes into like the types of questions you ask, like what, you know, did anything offend you? Is this person feel trustworthy to you? If not, why not? It's like really specific. Hmm. So I guess my question to you is like, what's the, what's the standard like strategy for a zoom date? Cause I'll be honest, like my strategy is very much tailored towards approach, you know, <laughs> cut out the middleman, cut out the dating app. If you see this girl in public, go up and say hi, and then we can work on the conversation from there. And, you know, kind of the reason why I, I say that to guys is because, you know, um, a lot of guys get stuck and I, I call it the illusion of control. They get the illusion that they're moving forward when in reality, it doesn't matter how many matches you're getting or how many girls you're messaging until you meet these girls in person, nothing comes of it. But in that sense, I do understand the importance of, let's say you don't really know this girl or you did meet her online. Zoom would be great. So what do you say as like the general strategy for a Zoom date? The general strategy for a Zoom date? Um, yeah. Or just like when, like when a guy comes on, like how quickly does a girl get it? Like a, an impression that could sway her opinion of this guy. Oh, Is yeah. it instant? Yeah, probably. So yeah, right away, like for example, um, some people they'll get on the zoom date and they'll be really nervous at first. So it's like, as I'm not saying this in a sexist way, but like in a biological way, like as the man, you're supposed to sort of take the lead. And so if you like come in and you're nervous and you're like kind of, you know, on defense, that's the girl's going to feel that. So you need to like, even if you're nervous, even if it's a practice date or a real day and you think it's weird, it's like, you need to bring that energy and create the atmosphere and, and let the, the female feel comfortable and like, she's welcome. And that, yeah. So right away you can make like a little flirty joke about like, you know, like if we were on one right now, you can be like, Hey, what are those glass animals? And kind of tease me or, you know, something like that. Um, so just having a little tease comment or something flirty in the beginning, or like a, even a, even a nice compliment or something right away. And just also just, yeah, bringing that confident energy into it right away, because this sounds drastic, but I always say like, people remember the beginning and an end of a journey. Like you can be a, you can be like a nice guy your whole life. And then you can like kill someone and people are going to remember that you started off as a nice guy and that you murdered a person. And then in the middle, they're not going to remember. So you need yeah. to start. Shout out and OJ end Simpson. Really, yeah. So you need <laughs> to start and end really strong for sure. Interesting. So like when you said, you know, when a guy comes on, you can immediately tell that he's nervous. And what I thought was interesting is like when you were describing these things, obviously you're coming from the feminine perspective. So you're saying, I get this type of feeling, I get this vibe, yeah. or like if I'm getting this type of energy and, uh, I, I guess as a, as a man, you know, uh, what, or any of the men listening to this, what, what are some of those things that he's doing that gives you the vibe that, oh, this guy's really nervous or this guy's not really too sure of himself. Yeah. So thank you for asking. Um, a lot of times it's in the body language and their, their words just get very shaky. They're like, I don't, they'll even say like, I'm really, I don't know what I should be doing right now, or I'm really nervous. And they'll just say it, which 
I guess it's, I mean, it's good to be honest. So I'm not saying don't be honest, but I think, um, you know, everyone's nervous on a date and just to realize as the guy you are setting the container, it's like in, you know, masculine and feminine energy. It's like the feminine is the chaos and the masculine is like the container that can hold it. So you really mm. want to be able to create that like grounded, structured energy so that the woman can be herself and really mm. feel welcome to express herself and be vulnerable. So if you, yeah, if you're like not making eye contact, even on Zoom, it's like, I can tell if you're not looking at me, bro. Like I see you. Yeah. So it's Which like, is a really weird situation because right now I'm looking into my camera, but technically my screen is here. So I couldn't like I wouldn't I didn't even notice the glass figurines in the back because I'm looking oh at God. the camera. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to do this podcast with all that. But yeah, no, that makes sense. And yeah, you have to be mindful of that, because even though it's from your perspective, you need to think about yeah how the other person is going to perceive you. And I think that's the interesting thing about these practice dates or one of the sort of one of the little epiphanies I've had about it is it actually doesn't matter what we actually talked about. It's like when I'm writing that feedback form, it is purely based on how I feel. So it's like, it doesn't even need to be perfectly accurate because that's not how the world works. It actually isn't accurate. So it's like, just how did I feel after that experience is actually what we want. It's how you're perceived by other people. And it's so it's a really fascinating thing to understand that and be like, this is a very subjective service. Like we're not giving, I mean, we're not giving you like, a, we are giving you facts about like things that happen and like why this might not make me feel like you're trustworthy, but it's coming from a feeling. Mm. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. And even like, even hearing something about that, I think I can imagine guys of any like level, even if they've been working on their improving their ability to attract women. Um, I feel like it's just a good way to gauge where you're at. Like maybe, maybe you think you're here, but then objectively this girl is like getting this vibe that is probably one of your blind yeah. spots. So like, I can imagine like some guys thinking, Oh, I, I'm good. I don't, I don't need that. But then I think about it. Like, obviously I'm a coach as well. So I'm just like, this is a great way to just gauge where you're at and how you're yeah, affecting women. Exactly. I think it, it, it shows you the vibe you are giving off to people, which is the information that is not so tangible, but we're, we, we break it down in a very tangible way with like targeted questions that like get at that. And the other cool thing is you can go on dates with lots of different women. So, and see how you're perceived by different people. And then if there's patterns, you know, if, if three different women pick up on the same thing, it's probably something you really need to work on. But then also just understanding that like you, a lot of guys, they're trying to do something that will like attract everyone. But you also realize through this type of thing that it is very subjective and that some things just don't work for some people. And some work for other people, but then there are these bigger patterns that when you go on a several, you get feedback from several different girls about how you were perceived on a date and you're like, wow, this keeps coming up. That's really something I should work on. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I guess from your perspective, obviously, um, you're providing the service one two, you're the, in the female role here. And, and three, like one of the things you said is like, is this guy leading the interaction? Is he willing to lead the conversation? Yes. Do you ever get sometimes like a guy will sign up for a demo date. Like if the date's that bad and there's, you guys are just whiffing on this high five here. Do you ever just end the date early? Like you would in real life or do they get a certain amount of time? They get a certain amount of time. So the dates are currently 50 minutes. I've been playing around with like, what's the ideal time? Like Mr. Base Zeus actually recommended I make it a little shorter. 
So um, I might try that as well. But yeah, it's a set amount of time. And um, it, yeah, and basically um, something interesting that you kind of pointed out is, you know, as a guy, you kind of should take the lead. So when I go on these dates, I'm very comfortable. I can talk to anyone about whatever topic. Like I'm very easy to change the, I can change the topic easily. Like I don't have an issue in this way. But I actually, when I first started going on them, I would, you know, if there was like an awkward pause or there was like something, I would just keep taking the lead. And what I realized, I was like, this isn't helping them. So actually now when I go on them, if it's awkward, I just fucking sit there. Like I will just sit there and let them figure out what to do. And they look at me like I should be doing something. And I'm like, nope, I'm a girl on a date. Take the lead. I'm not doing this. Cause just like, and then, then on the feedback form, I can tell them, you know, like, when there's an awkward silence and then I can give them advice on like how they could have handled it better because until you fail, you're not going to learn from it. So I actually, when I train my girls now, I tell them like, you don't have to be perfect. Like you don't need to be this perfect conversationalist. Like if you fuck up, if you have an awkward moment, if you do something that's embarrassing, like let, let the guy handle it. This is what he's supposed to be learning. So that's, and it's so cringy sometimes. Like when I sit there in the silence, I'm like, oh my God, it's so hard for me not to do something, but I'm, I'm getting used to it. Yeah. Interesting. So it's almost like just because you are in a, in a sense, practicing the date, you have to hold back on your instincts to just be like, yo, change this, do this. Yeah. 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 And just let people fail because that's how we learn. Yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Um, because it's almost like, I feel like I can always tell if a guy's been, taking a lot of action with this stuff, even if he's in one of my coaching programs or not because of like the types of questions they're asking. And sometimes you can tell that over time, this guy hasn't done shit, you know, cause he's asking the same types of questions or just questions that are mostly like based on theoretical rather than like, yeah. Oh, I tried this, I did this and I got this result. What would you have done instead? Um, and so I'm curious, like on the other, on the other extreme of this, do you ever get guys that come on and they're actually pretty good. And then does this actually turn into like a real connection between one of the, the demo date girls and a guy in, in real life? Um, so I, because a lot of guys, obviously I hire really beautiful, interesting girls. So pretty much everyone, every single time there's, they always, the guys always like the girls, like basically every time they try, you know, they try to hit them up. So for their own energy and protection. I, I tell the girls like, look, like you are not under any obligation to respond or, and I, I'm, I make this clear in the beginning and I'm going to have like some boundaries in the welcome email, but basically like the girl has, if she would like to make a connection, like some of them have made some friends, they are welcome to reach out and do that or whatever they want, but they're not obligated after the date to like answer all the dms they're getting because they do get them <laughs> and like it's it's nothing personal but it's just like i understand that they're all very charming and beautiful and that they're going to get a lot of guys from these dates trying to hit them up so it's really up to it's really up to them and also yeah. setting the boundaries in the beginning and letting people know like because i think something that comes up for the guys is is like well does she even really want to be here like because it's like you know, this is a practice date. It's like, she does. Like I pick people who really enjoy talking to people who have a nice time connecting with them, but yes, it is a job. And so they like to not, it's like your ego is getting offended by the fact that like afterwards, you're not going to be texting every second and just to be okay with that, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. At the end of the day, these are practice dates, even if they show interest, do the girls, do you want them to show a little bit of interest? If, you know, if you have a certain time limit or like, do you want them to be a hundred percent like honest? Like if they're not feeling it, they'll let you yeah, know yeah, and they'll yeah. tell you why. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really subjective experience. I, I want them to just be themselves on a date. Like they don't. Yeah. So if they're not comfortable, like they need to, they can say that. And I mean, if someone really crosses a line, I think that's different, but yeah, if they're uncomfortable, they shouldn't try to act like they're not. Absolutely not. Yeah. Interesting. So, you know, one, one thing kind of changing gears here a little bit, uh, I'm curious, like, obviously with, with guys, there's tons of male dating coaches, right? And, and me, I feel like one of the things that inspired me to get into becoming a coach myself was because I was that guy who struggled talking to hot girls or just girls I was interested in when I actually liked a girl and thought I had to like do something to get her to like me. I didn't even know what flirting was or what it looked like. And so because I, I literally started from the bottom and now I'm here right now, it's like, I want to give back. And so for me, it literally came from a low moment in my life that inspired me to become a dating coach. And so I'm curious, like being a female, like what was that for you? Was it some type of experience that you had? So I actually think this is um, something that I've noticed is different for me than a lot of the other dating coaches is I really come from a place of fun. Like one of my core values is definitely fun. And I noticed that people like make dating this horrible chore and like with anxiety and all this stuff. And, and like dating should be fun. And I remember my grandma, who's almost a hundred years old now, she was like, I don't know, 95 at the time, maybe. And it was on my birthday. And I was, I usually wear really like flashy clothes and I like try to look all crazy. And I know that my mom was going to get upset with me. So I wore a really boring outfit and I would go to lunch with my grandma and she's wearing like a silver leather jacket and like pants and sparkly shoes. And she's 95 and we're at lunch and this woman comes up to her and she's like, can I ask you some advice? You look like you'd give good advice. And my grandma's like, of course. And she was like, I have a date tonight and I'm so nervous and I don't know what to do. And like, blah, 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 all this stuff. And my grandma was just like, why would you even go if it's not fun? enjoy yourself. And I was, and she was so dead serious. And in that moment, I was like, oh my God, it was so profound for me. I was like, why are we making it this horrible thing? And so a big inspiration for the practice dating is basically there's so much stuff in our life that we cannot control. And then there's the stuff we can control. And basically what I really want for people is within our control, we should set ourselves up for success and prepare ourselves on the back end so that when we are put in a situation, we can actually enjoy ourselves and have fun because the, the lack of fun is coming from a lack of preparation. And so just getting everything in order with, with what you can control and setting yourself up for success is the key to enjoying your life and what you do. It's like, you know, with work too, it's just setting yourself up for success and doing the work on the back end so you can actually have a good experience. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'll be honest, um, thinking back on my own journey and, you know, kind of me gauging, as you were saying, you know, having fun and stuff. Uh, what I realized is the guys who, for me, at least the people that I was going out with a lot when I was heavily going out, cold approaching every single day, I was, you know, I'm in Arizona. So I was at the Scottsdale night scene like three, four times a week. 
Um, and then I got into a relationship. And so I haven't had to worry about Zoom dates quite as much during the pandemic. But, um, you know, one, one of the things I noticed is like guys who kind of fall off and then just go back to where they were versus the guys who actually hit that breaking point and then like start succeeding is just exactly what you said. It's like they have to at some point start enjoying it because like for me, when I started actually enjoying it, that's when I kind of became addicted to just like, who else can I talk to? What new right. types of people can I meet? Um, what What would you say like to some guy who really, he wants to enjoy it. He, he knows that he needs to have fun, but for him, it's like so foreign, the whole concept of being good with women to where it's still like telling someone to not have anxiety when they have anxiety is like not going to help. Right. So what would you say to someone to have, start having more fun? What's like, a, a, a what would you recommend for that? So, I mean, it depends on how deep you want to go, but for example, I'm Let's a, breath real work, deep. I'm a breathwork practitioner and, um, basically I don't know how much you know about breathwork, but our nervous systems are patterned based on like our, our experiences in our life, our traumas or whatever. So a lot of people who have high anxiety, the way they breathe is affected by that. So you actually have a dysregulated nervous system and you can actually correct this. And so I think personally, the thing that changed my life the most and why I became a practitioner. So it's sort of like with you and coaching, it was like, I just was in my way so much and breathwork was what really helped me regulate. And so I became a practitioner because I was like, I need to teach this to other people or I need to breathe other people, not teach it, huh. but um, to practice it. And basically what it does is it's like the way you breathe affects your blood chemistry, which affects your thoughts, which affect your life. So a really powerful thing about breathwork also is it bypasses the mind. So you can do breathwork. And if you have anxiety, it's probably because you're overthinking. Anxiety is a fear of the future. Anxiety does mm -hmm. not exist in the present. So if you can do something where you bypass the mind to heal that and you, you heal it on a body level it actually clears out the thoughts in itself without mm. actually having to sit there and overthink. So personally, I'm a big fan of breath work. And I say this for, as someone who I don't like meditating. I, w I feel like I should. I'm, I was in Bali for like a year and a half and I'm like, I can't sit there, but breath work. So if you're someone who likes tries to meditate and you have a hard time, I really, really recommend breath work because it is all based on how your nervous system is regulated and there's two branches of the nervous system. There's the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. The sympathetic is like the fight or flight. It's the go, go, go. And the parasympathetic is the relaxed state. And basically something profound that I've realized is there is just nothing quite like making decisions from the parasympathetic, like really like making decisions, doing things from this relaxed, easeful state is such a game changer. So if you can find a tool that will help you be in that state more often rather than in fight or flight mode, I highly recommend that. So I think on a really deep level where you actually can bypass your mind and your thoughts, I would super recommend breath work. And then the other stuff is ask, ask yourself specifically, like what specifically is giving me anxiety and really leaning into that. And which is, you know, with practice dating, it's like, if you go on 20 practice dates with super hot girls, you're going to get to a point where it does, it's not novel anymore. So it's about I would say like on a bodily level, but then also wearing off the novelty of whatever you're afraid of or whatever is giving you anxiety until you even get bored with it. Like if you go on enough dates with people, you can you could be on a date with a supermodel and not care just because you've done it so many times. But it requires you to do it with intentionality. Some people sort of just go through the motions. So you have to really like 
be there and actually take the feedback and do the things, not just go through the motions. Because like you said, some people, they just keep doing stuff they, and they feel like they're going somewhere, but they're not. So you really have to be in that place where you're coming at it with intention and like with, with goals and what you want and actually making that kind of progress. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It's, it's funny. Cause, um, you know, I, I guess what I, what I realized did it for me was what you said just last was like getting enough of that reference experience to where you kind of understand how things go. And then you're kind of almost yeah. just out of pure self amusement, looking for different ways to switch it up and make it more fun for you. And I think, for me, when I started doing that and actually getting better results is when I got addicted to that process. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like, thrilling. Like, it's fun. Yeah. It's like investing in Bitcoin for the first time and then just keep pulling it down to refresh your coin base and watch it go up and down. <laughs> like you get addicted to it. Exactly. And I really believe that people like they all want to be confident. Everyone's like, I just want to be confident. I want to be that guy who just walks in a room and like everyone can see how confident I am. But the thing with confidence is confidence, real confidence is competence applied at the right moment. If you're competent in something, then when you're faced with an obstacle, you have done the preparation and you have the skill set you need to be confident in that moment and overcome that obstacle. So in order to be competent in dating, you need to have specific, very specific skill sets. So once you become competent in those like social skills, you know how to like how to look, how to dress, how to whatever, you know, aesthetics. It's like, once you build these very specific skills, then you can be confident in dating. Mm. And so well, I think it's yeah, really about being competent in the necessary skills. And like, some people aren't confident because their life's a fucking mess. So it's like, if you, if you're unemployed living in your mom's basement, playing video games, I'm sorry, but you're probably going to be insecure on a date. And it's like, you need to get your life in order and build the skills you need if dating, you know, I mean, probably for other reasons too, but you know, you need to have all these things in order so that you can be confident. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I thought that was really interesting, um, uh, kind of going back to what you said, uh, before that point, not to dis discount that point. Cause I think confidence is very uh, important as well. And like you said, it, it does just come from the sheer getting the reps, uh, because that's where you can take that knowledge. You can think about it all day. You can strategize all day, but until you've applied it, um, and gotten consistent results, then you can't be, you can't necessarily be confident until you actually start putting yourself out there. Um, but the, then the other thing is like, um, so I agree with that, but the, the, the thing about the breath, breath work is like, I didn't realize it, um, until you made that connection for me, which was like, it is almost in a way meditative when you get into the right breath work. And, and so, um, you know, I guess you, you inspired me to, to check out some breath work. So I'm curious, yes. um, is there a breathing exercise that you can give us right now and walk yeah. me through it on the, on the air? Absolutely. So the type of breath work I do is called conscious connected breathing. And that's something I only recommend doing in person. So I'm not going to assign this to people right now. And so that's a whole different technique where you basically, you the inhale and the exhale are a loop so you don't pause at the top or the bottom you just continue to loop your breath while lying down with your mouth open and just relaxed so that but mm. so if anyone's interested in conscious connected breathing do it in person do your research but um something that's really helpful that i do in the morning is box breathing and so what box breathing does is it um it trains your body to hold more co2 because basically the more co2 you can handle the less stressed you're going to be because when we have anxiety and stuff, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but when you're panicking, you're not breathing. You're probably mm. suffocating yourself. 
Like if you actually look at how your body, when you're in a panic state is reacting, you're actually not breathing as much. And so box breathing, what you do is you can start with like three, four five seconds, depending on your capacity. So let's just say four seconds and you inhale for four seconds. You hold for four seconds. You exhale for four seconds. You hold for four seconds. And you just do that over and over again for like 20, 30 minutes. And you feel really relaxed the whole day. It is. And so if you're nervous for a date, honestly, if you do box breathing for like 30 minutes before that will really put you in a parasympathetic calm state. That is really ideal. I think. Do you feel like sometimes, um, so like, I guess the timing of it could work. And obviously I I haven't tried box breathing, so I'm definitely going to try it. Um, tomorrow and I'll let you know the results. But if I were like trying to get on a date, you know, sometimes I've found that even for myself, if I'm like at my computer all day with, you know, coaching clients, having a business online, it requires you to be at a computer most of the day. Right. So if I've been working all day and I've been sitting and I probably haven't even been speaking a lot all day, wouldn't I like, sometimes I like to like amp myself up, right. And listen to music. Mm -hmm. If I did box breathing to kind of calm the nerves would it make me so calm to where I'm like low energy on the date? Like, how does that affect your energy? Do you know? I would say it's like calm, but energized. So, I mean, it depends if you want to be pumped up. Yeah. I, I definitely recommend like dancing or just any, you know, dancing in your room to like loud music. But if you're, if you're having anxiety or something, or just want to be more grounded, it's a really good practice. And, um, I meant to add that, um, as you continue to do it, you're going to increase the time. So, you can start with four seconds and then go up to five seconds, six seconds, and then, you know, continue. Mm. And uh, yeah. And then you're building your capacity in your body and re-regulating your nervous system. So it, it doesn't drain you of energy. It gives you energy, but it's not like the hyper energy. Yeah. One of the things I've seen also is like, guys will also be holding their breath in the middle of conversation right. when they're nervous or like exactly. when they're like exactly. on edge, you know? Um, so I guess that is an interesting insight. Like, all right, so box breathing works and it's kind of like something to do outside the date in the moment. Is there a way to kind of just like control your anxiety level? So we're like, if you say drop the, the teasing line, or she says something that kind of throws you off your game and then you find yourself kind of like taking short breaths and like kind of speaking under your breath. Um, how does a guy kind of just like (laughs) breathe better in the moment, you know? I think it's about being aware in the moment. So I think that might be the hard part because as you said, like if now that you have told you this, you're going to notice that like when people are in different states, they're breathing differently. Like you can see it when people are talking. So you need to be, have the awareness to catch yourself because the thing is if you're panicking on a date and you're able to notice like, how am I breathing right now? You can, because if you start to change the way you breathe, it'll change the way you think. So if you're panicking, and you actually change your breathing pattern to something calmer, you will calm down mentally. Hmm. It bypasses the mind. It's on a deeper level. So being, I think a key thing would be rather than freaking out what to say or do, just focus on your breath and just get back to your breath. If you need to go to the bathroom and like take a second and just break the scene and come back or whatever, that's totally fine. But yeah, instead of the thoughts, focus on the breathing, like where in my body do I feel the anxiety? Like, is it in my chest? Is it in my throat? Is it in my solar plexus? And like, breathe into that space. Is it in my heart? It could be in any of these, the chakras, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of an off the wall question, but do you ever watch those like dating shows like the bachelor or bachelor in paradise, anything like that? 
Um, not really. I haven't had TV in a super long time, but um, I, I get the concept. Yeah, I, I guess I ask because like, um, there's a show called Too Hot to Handle on Netflix. Uh, I think I saw. I think I saw a little bit of it. Can you remind me the plot? Because I feel like I saw it. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's funny. Cause I actually did a breakdown for it last week uh, on my channel. And, um, uh, yeah. So the quick synopsis of the show is like, they bring in these like smoking hot people in their twenties, um, you know, half men, half women. And then they put them on this Island and these yeah, people come in thinking like, Oh, we're going to have so much sex on this Netflix dating show. And they come yeah. in like just ready for debauchery. And then the first day they get there, they say, oh, by the way, there's a cash prize at the end. But to win the cash, you have to not touch yourself, not touch other, you know, the people of the opposite sex in any sexual way, can't have sex, can't kiss, do any of yeah. that stuff. Uh, and so it kind of creates this interesting like dynamic to where the temptation is even bigger because now you can't have it. But then it's like the trade-off of like, okay, do I want to sacrifice $3,000 to kiss this guy or not? Um, so it, it is interesting and it made for an interesting breakdown. Uh, I guess the reason why I asked that is because like me being someone who's kind of like taking so much action, coached the guys. And I know, I know the knowledge of like what to do and what not to do. It's like, I used to watch those shows through a whole different lens. Like for me, I would see the guys who were like super nice, super chivalrous, super gentlemanly as like, oh, that's the guy that women want. But then you you watch it in retrospect and now you're like, I'm a dating coach. And so I I, I instantly go, oh man, oh, this guy, oh dude, why, why would you do that? And then sure enough, the guy gets friend zoned, um, you know, in the yeah. next episode or whatever. So, um, I, I think I, I think the one the one that got friend zoned. I think that I I did see it. The one who got friend zoned or like left really early. I actually matched with him on a dating app. Really? I didn't Which talk one? to him. I don't. The guy with the I beard. I don't remember his name, but the one that the the one who got who left really early. Mm. He was on a dating app, and I was like, "That's hilarious!" So I just yeah. matched him. But um, anyway. what dating app was it? It was Raya. Oh, got it. That's oh, like maybe, a LA thing, maybe huh? I'm not allowed to say that. Maybe you should cut that. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Anyway. Um, I'll um, keep it in. Fuck it. Uh, I, I'm I, apparently I'm not cool enough to be on Raya. Well, I don't is, know is his name anyway. I, I literally don't know his name, so I guess it's fine. <laughs> yeah. All good. But, um, um, yeah, I get what you're saying, though. Like the thing with the it's it's being a nice guy isn't actually being nice. You're like if you actually take the sex appeal out of doing nice things for people like holding the door open yeah. and stuff like that, or like serving someone or doing stuff for someone you're actually, when you take the sex appeal out of that, you just get a Butler or a servant. <laughs> Sorry to yeah. be direct about that, but you know what I mean? So it's like, once you, and I think a lot of guys, they think that that's the only way they're going to be needed and be loved. And so they, they basically turn into servants without the sex appeal. So yeah, they just end up that, and then that becomes their role that girls are used to. And then they get stuck in this loop. Do you think girls, uh, recognize this, uh, and then use it to their advantage? Like consciously, like they'll keep guys around who are like super, just like subservient and will like do things for her just for the sake I mean, of like, yeah, sometimes for sure. I mean, okay. sometimes I genuinely do like having them as friends. I think a lot of these girls, I think they have an awareness that the guy likes them and is never going to do anything about it. Mm. 
Yeah. yeah. Some people probably do for sure. And I'm not, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but it's, I mean, yeah, some of them definitely know. Hey, it's the reality sometimes, right? I mean, um, it's like, and, and cause guys like learn like, Oh, if I'm useful, they'll keep me around. And then, and then to, to the guy, the guy is like, well, this is my most high value friend because she's the hottest. So I need to, it my, and they connect their value to how hot she is. And so they just keep serving her and doing stuff for her. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was an interesting distinction you, you brought up as well as like, just because you're being nice doesn't mean that that's bad. It's just nice without the sex appeal as, as you put it. Right. And so I guess the way I kind of think of it is like, when I look at these interactions on this too hot to handle as an example, right. The main difference I see between the guy who like the girls are chasing and the guy who the girls are friend zoning. And obviously there's more girls or more guys getting friend zoned than there are guys chasing. Well, it's or girl guys getting chased. The guys who were getting friend zoned on the show, those were guys who were, like you said, they were being nice, but they were, they were serving just for the sake of like trying to get something in and return. The, the reason that this is also not nice is it's actually extremely manipulative and passive aggressive yep. because you're not actually, cause you're only there because you think she's hot and you're being manipulative because you're not, you're not, you don't have the security to be direct and just get, ask for what you want. Cause you're afraid she'll abandon you. But is that even a real relationship if the only reason you're there is because she's hot and you're manipula manipulating her into sticking around and then she's sticking around because you're doing stuff for her and she knows that you like her and that you're never going to say anything. And so it's just it's a very manipulative, fucked up thing. And it's not nice at all. Yeah, it's very indirect. Yeah. It's deceiving. It's yeah, it's it's dishonest. So it's not nice at all. Yeah. So at what what would you say? is the the key distinction here because like you said it, it is a fine line there's a fine line between trying to be nice to man, manipulate a, a response in return which from my from my observations never works um especially when it comes to the concept of dating right but there's also a key distinction between like being the nice guy and just being a nice guy who can get girls so what is that what is that line there I mean, I think, I don't think it's bad to be nice, but I think if you're doing something like from the kindness of your heart, cause you genuinely want to versus what am I getting from this? It's like if someone gives you a gift, but only because when they give you that gift, it comes with a bunch of strings and obligations. And like, is that really yeah. a gift? You know what I yeah. mean? So it's like, are you doing this from a genuine place or are you doing it? I guess a good way to distinguish it is, is this coming from my ego or is this coming from my heart? Like, what is this serving right now? Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I, I get, I get you on that. It's like, I guess the way I like to think of it in my head is like, it's the nice guy versus the gentleman, like the nice guy, like you said, he does things in a manipulative way to get a response in return, but it's almost like the other guy, maybe he can hold a door open or like, you know, right. pull out a chair or whatever, but he's doing it as like an expression of like, Hey, I'm having a good time here. So we're all going to have good time, good vibes, yeah, and but it's like, not to get something in return. Yeah. You know? It's like, if it's the way, if it's because you enjoy being courteous and you open doors for people, but you're not like, I'm, I'm doing this to be a nice guy. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's the energy you're bringing through with this action. It's the same action, yeah. but it's a different energy. And girls feel that just like with the practice dating, it's all about how the person makes you feel. So it's not just what you're literally doing, but the energy you are bringing through when you do that thing that really yeah. matters. I kind of just realized as we're talking about it, I connected another dot. It's literally a downward spiral. Cause if you think about it, it's like, if I'm being nice to get something in return, what I'm doing is I'm placing my future, uh, feeling of myself 
based off of if you do the thing that I want or not. Right. And so now you're in the position of like, I can validate you or I can not validate you. And for me, if I'm the guy who's being nice to try to get some validation in return, if I don't get it now, my mood's affected. And now I'm like literally playing the feminine role here because I'm being the emotional one. Who's like just swaying all around and you're being the one who's controlling the validation. Yeah. You're Did actually you like, that? yeah. As the guy you're getting dommed for sure. <laughs> <laughs> like he totally you're like that, that dude from, um, Pulp Fiction was just getting railed in the butt. Yeah. It's like, you're, you're have getting you dommed. Yeah, I actually have. I have. Yeah, I know. Oh my God. So true. And it's like, yeah, it's like, it's not, so it's not bad to be submissive, but I think, I think that, you know, as the guy you want to, you don't need to be like that dominant, like muscle guy, but you need to be dominant in like, if you, if you are like the nerdiest person in the world who likes feminine things, but like own it. It's about ownership. It's about self-ownership. It's not about like the specific activities you're doing, but like letting people energetically dom you and just serving them. Yeah. Like that's fucking, that's not attractive. I mean, there's, there's a very niche, there's some niche kinky BDSM stuff that's into that. But like, besides that stuff in, in regular life, it's not, a, girls are not looking to dom someone into serving them all the time. It's just not hot. And I yeah. think so. Yeah. It's like guys, they, they take, there's no sex appeal in it. And that's the thing guys. And I think a lot of guys now are super afraid to have sex appeal because of all the me too and the feminine feminist stuff. But it's like, when you take all that out, you're really just a servant getting domed. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, you're just getting railed in the butt. It, it's funny. You, you, uh, what was that term that you were calling it? It's like, um, uh, like, Damn, I forget it. What I what I usually refer to these guys as is like um I say you might as well be a dickless Kendall. You were oh you were saying they're a servant, they're a butler. Yeah, it's, right? it's, like, so it's serve, like the yeah, same thing. Holding doors and doing errands for people. If you take out the sex appeal, it's just being a butler. Yeah. <laughs> Who's all smooth down there, like like Ken himself. Yeah. Pretty um, so what what are some of the other things that you see guys make? Because like uh, mistakes. Because we we've talked about kind of just you know, not being nervous and like being able to control your nerves. Um, and then we've talked you talked about like ending things, starting and ending things on a positive note. Cause that's what we generally tend yeah. to remember. What's like another big one where you're like, oh. guys, what are we doing here? Okay. I think I would actually say the biggest thing for me that I, I've noticed across the board with like the feedback forms with me and the girls and just, I mean, cause this is something, yeah, the, I'd say the biggest thing is people don't ask good questions. They ask very, was it, what's the word? Um, demographical questions. Like, where are you from? How old are you? Or data. they don't ask, and they I'm don't ask deep data. questions. They don't ask deep questions and they don't ask adventurous questions and they don't ask vulnerable questions. And so one other way to get friend zoned is to, it's like, if you're a date, if you spend the whole conversation and this might be a controversial opinion, but fuck it. If you spend the whole date, only talking about very comfortable surface level topics that you'd be fine sharing with any, any random person you met on the street. Why should the girl connect with you more? Like what, why, yeah. you know, like if you're not willing to be vulnerable and share something deeper and also ask and be interested in asking her deeper questions, it's not going to go anywhere because there's no substance. And mm -hmm. I think people are afraid to ask those questions and sometimes they don't know what they are. So I'll give you an example of really good, question is not just like what you do, but why do you do what you do? So asking mm -hmm. a lot of the why questions behind the what's is really powerful. 
if someone shares something with you, you can just, you know, say like, that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Like what, why are you, what, what inspired you or what, why are you doing that? Or why do you do what you do? What inspired you to do that? So I guess also what questions, but like what questions that ask for like the deeper meaning behind things. Yeah. Not just the surface level, like details and demographics and statistics of stuff. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, I came up with an acronym for you uh, as you were saying okay. that because you're like deep, adventurous, uh, vulnerable. So you should call it diva questions. <laughs> so deep, intriguing, vulnerable, and adventurous. Oh my Be god, a diva with your questions. <laughs> New branding, I love it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, people um, people ask shitty questions and then they get shitty answers. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Yeah. Um. What were we going to say? I didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh, no. And I mean, I think that's the part also on the date where I've had to navigate is like when guys are doing that, I would start asking all these deep questions. And then now I now I'll go there a little bit, but I, I hold back like I let them really I let them drive. So sometimes mm -hmm. it ends up being really surface level. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, what I, the other thing I was going to ask you about that is like, you know, if we're asking deep you know, Even question. adventurous questions and invigorating questions. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like I've definitely experienced, uh, and I, and I've noticed when I coach other guys as well, like, is like, if you go too deep, too early, sometimes it kind of just tends to stay there. And then it kind of takes out the sexual tension aspect of it. So how soon should a guy be asking, why do you do what you do? Is this more for a date type setting? Like, I don't know. I just feel like generally if I were to cold approach a girl at a random place, even if, if it's a party, if this is like the first one or two minutes, I don't know. I feel like the receptiveness to a question like that might not be there. Um, what, what do you think about that? So, yeah, I was talking specifically about like dates that people have planned um, when going up to people. I think um, one way that I really enjoy is it's like if you make a funny comment about something that's happening in the in the surroundings, like I'll give you an example, say that you're at the bar and like, there's a, there's a really sloppy guy next to a girl and you go up to her and you're like, Hey, she's going to, he's going to make a great ex-husband one day. If like, I think something kind of silly and more lighthearted is a good idea. Just making like a humorous observation of your surroundings is a great way in. So having something to talk about, like a prop, I guess, essentially. And, um, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, I am weird and I like deep questions. I get bored really fast if they're not deep, but I do understand that that's not for everyone. And I think a really, I think the, my favorite way or the best way is to have a prop to talk about so that you could use your surroundings as something to comment on. That's funny. And that you can laugh about. And then, you know, I wouldn't, you don't even need to get someone's name for the first five minutes. Like you can have like a, a fun, like flirty teasing conversation and then be like, Oh my God, I, what the fuck is your name? I didn't even catch that, you know? Yeah. No, I totally agree. Like one of the, one of the things that I, uh, I feel like we, um, definitely agree with our, our common point is like just doing anything you can to make the conversation more, uh, interesting than just like, what are you from? Where are you from? What do you do? Like mm -hmm. the data seeking type of questions. Um, and, and like one of the things, you know, based on that is like, I tell guys a lot, like one of my go-to things that would, I just knew would happen in most small talk type of conversations is when you meet a girl for the first time, at some point you're going to exchange names. And so one hack that I found was like, I call it the awkward silence destroyer sequence. Um, oh it's because God. I would, I would approach a girl and I would find that the same thing is like, I haven't even gotten this girl's name. 
and we've been talking for how long, you know? Yeah, that's a and good so, yeah, exactly. That means like the conversation's got steam and it's not boring as fuck. Um, mm -hmm. and, and what I realize is like, oh shoot, if I can sense an awkward silence is coming up, why don't I just save that for the moment that I go, oh, by the way, what's your name? I'm Patrick. Oh, that's genius. I love that. I'm totally stealing that. Yeah, you should. It's actually chapter number 14. In like it's actually trademarked. You can't. Oh, what's shit, up? I was like, it's actually trademarked. I can't steal it. Yeah. Did you write that? Copyrighted. I did write this. Oh my yeah. God. I'm going to have to read that immediately. It's, so um, funny. it's free for the listeners. It's a how to get the girl now.com. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, there's uh, 107 proven ways to get the girl. Like, yeah. So like go the example, um, the awkward silence destroyer sequence is literally chapter 14. Oh my God. I'm I'm reading that. That's genius. I love that. Yeah. I'll take it a step further. And I've actually done this ironically. Like, so I used to do a lot of boot camps. Um, I have one coming up next month, but, um, back when I was doing them a lot, a lot, uh, I had one in, in Vegas and we did something similar to, uh, you know, almost like a demo date, but we called it a banter session. And I remember like, this wasn't, I, I was like co-hosting this boot camp uh, with one, one of my good friends, Adam Galad, who's like a dating coach for older guys. And he helps write, write their online profiles and stuff. And we did these banter sessions with these girls that he knew. He like went to Burning Man with these girls and stuff. So they were like really chill. Um, and I didn't really know them, but like, obviously all the guys didn't want to be the first one to go up and do a banter session. And right. so Adam put me on the spot. He was like, yo, Patrick, go in there and like start the banter session. And he's like, okay, pretend she's at a grocery store and she's getting avocados and you're, you're going to approach her in the aisle or whatever. And so I approach her and like, for me, like, again, most people expect it to start off with small talk. So I almost use that to my advantage because I know if she's expecting it to go this way, then I know where I can interrupt patterns. And one of those moments is the awkward silence destroyer sequence. So I'll be honest, like maybe a minute in uh, to this role play, uh, awkward silence. So I could sense it coming up. I said, Oh, by the way, what's your name or whatever. And then she told me her name. I shake her hand, break the touch barrier. And what I did and what I, one way I take a step further and that I teach in the book is like, um, once she tells me her name, I'll just be like, Oh, by the way, my name is Patrick. And you know, if you, if you forget that shit in five minutes, I'm gonna be very disappointed or something like that. Yeah. Because now it's like a playful challenge to remember my name. And we didn't even go that very further than that in the banter session. Because when I said that alone, just because it broke the norm of what, what she expected to happen, it was like so yeah. unexpected from that. She like broke character and started blushing. Right. Um, yeah. but then I'll, I'll even go a step further. The next time there's an awkward silence in the conversation, I'll say, Oh, by the way, what's my name? And it's very relevant. Cause I gave her that challenge. Oh my God. That's hilarious. I like that. What would you say? What's your favorite way to approach girls at, you know, like at a grocery store, what's your secret method? I'll be honest. Um, one, of one of the things that I definitely agree with from, uh, the book, the art of subduction by Robert green. Have you read that book by the way? I love Robert Green. He's actually my friend. He's amazing. Oh, really? Amazing. Well, you should tell him that, uh, you know, I talked to this dating coach at Raw Dating Advice and he really liked this one thing. I don't know if you remember writing it, but one of the points he made that I thought was very interesting was like the concept of the best seducers in history, they go indirect. So they're not directly stating their intentions. It's always like kind of adds to the mystery because it is so indirect and it's all su like subtext or the subcontext or whatever. Um, and so, just me going out. I've tried the direct openers. I've tried indirect openers. I've tried 
pretty much any opener under the sun. Like for a long time, I challenged myself to just anything that I thought couldn't work. I would try it just for the sake of proving it could work. I right? love that. That's epic. And uh, what I, I actually agree, like I am, I feel like the conversation consistently goes better. Um, and, and like the interest level is actually there and there's real chemistry. If I start indirect and then, you know, the sexual tension comes from the nonverbal, the verbal communication and kind of the playful teases and challenges that I throw in throughout the interaction. Um, and so, uh, what was the question again? The question, oh, one was, of the hacks. Yeah. What are, what's your favorite way to approach someone? Yeah. So I almost always make an observation about the environment. Almost always. So we, um, and we then agree the, on that. We, agree. we do agree on yeah. that. Okay. Um, but for me, like what I do is it, because the observation can be so specific to that environment. If I'm in that environment, I use it over and over again because it's, it's relevant. You know <laughs> oh what I'm saying? Goodness. So like one example, I was like, this is my, I'll be honest until I moved out to Arizona, I moved out here for dental school. Um, from Kansas. So I grew, I was born and oh raised God. in Kansas city. Wow. Um, and so when I moved out here, I was not very well traveled. And so it was, even if I was learning game in Kansas, just because I was for the first time getting outside of my own bubble by myself, that was a growth experience on its own. And so I started going to Las Vegas and Southern California for the first time, but oh a lot over and over again. Right. And so my first time ever, I was in Hollywood. And by this point I was already like heavily into working on my game and approaching a lot of women. So it was just like, it was fun for me. Cause I was at that phase where I just, we're in Hollywood, new place. Let's have fun tonight. Right. And so one of the things I noticed, like, I don't know why, but in 2015, 2014, like black leather jackets were so in. And so I walked into this place. Um, I don't even remember the name of it in Hollywood, but everybody there minus me and maybe one or two other people that stood out like a sore thumb was not wearing, like everybody was wearing a black leather jacket of some sort. And so I just started bringing it up as like my opener, like, Hey, let me ask you, have you noticed that pretty much everyone here is wearing yeah. a black leather jacket? Is this like a memo I didn't get? And it was just a very good, intriguing yeah. way to start the conversation. Um, and one of the specific like things I remember as a learning lesson from that one night well, that was probably the first time I had the epiphany, like, oh, I can just use this opener over and over again um, in that environment. And when you find it, it can be different every time. Yeah. You just keep using it. Um, but this girl, logically, you cannot disagree with that statement if you just opened your eyes and looked around the room. But it sparked playful banter because a girl was like, what, what are you talking about? Nobody here is wearing a black leather jacket. And most guys would go, oh, she disagreed. Like, oh, my thing didn't work. And then they get discouraged in the moment. And then they kind of shrivel up and shrink in and their body language shows. But for me, I was like, finally, someone were, who gives me something different to where we can have some fun here. And I think that's literally what banter is. And so yeah. I like was just like, you know what? If you can point out, um, I said, if you can point out one person here who's not wearing a leather jacket, then uh, I'll buy you a drink. But if not, then you owe me a drink. And it was like a playful game you know, and it just got the banter going. And so, I don't know, I guess that's one of the first thing that came to mind when you no, asked. I love question. that. And yeah, I think the, I think the key takeaway for the listeners for that is just using your environment to your advantage. Like don't limit yourself to just your being and like the hot girl, like look around, like get creative, have fun with it. Say, you know, and say something maybe controversial that she'll disagree with or, you know, and cause that's actually a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And just, yeah, using the world as your playground to make observations that are hilarious. Yeah. 
Um, all right. So speaking of observations that you might not agree with, I'm curious, and this is something that I, that I teach my guys a lot, but it's like, I feel like it's not something that would generally be, I would say in front of a girl, unless it was like a dating coach. Right. But true or false, do you think that women like to chase? I think, okay. I think some like, it depends what they're looking for. I think it really depends where they're at in their life. And it's a, it's specific to the person. There is kind of a a thrill, I suppose. I think that, I think the real question is, or the real thing that's important is to not be too available and turn into that servant all over again. So it's not, I, Mm. I'm not a fan of playing games that aren't fun. So I don't think like, for example, um, when, when you say chase, I'm the kind of person who like, I, I've never in my life timed a text message to seem like I wasn't available or like whatever. Like if I feel like writing you five paragraphs, five minutes after you texted me, cause it took me five minutes to write the five paragraphs, I'll fucking send it immediately. Or if I actually was busy and answer seven hours later, that's when I'll send it. So I think in that sense, like, I think the texting game, and you might disagree with me on this, but I think that as far as texting, like text when you fucking want to, this timing game is so stupid. Everyone knows you're doing it. It's like the, I know that, you know, that I know game, just fucking answer when you want with as much enthusiasm as you want. I mean, don't like spill your guts out if the person's writing like one word answers, but I think like, again, coming from a heart space rather than an ego place and like answering when you want to actually expressing yourself is so in that sense, I'm not a fan of the chasing thing, but I think um, also the real question is more around, are you being overly available and overcompensating to try and get her, getting her to like you and betraying yourself in the process in order to do that? So yeah. it's about having boundaries. Interesting. I think that's, that's an interesting parallel. Cause it's like, um, you know, I was focused on like, does a girl enjoy the feeling of being, uh, of having to pursue a guy, but you took it one step further, which I, which I would agree with looking at just the example of like the too hot to handle, for example, the thing I noticed of the guys who did get friend zoned was it wasn't because they didn't make girls chase him. It was as soon as he realized he liked her, he would do everything to logically try to convey like, you know, we have a good connection. We have so much sexual tension, you know, we get along. And now he's like, he's almost in a way chasing her verbally because he's trying to convince her that there's something there. Show don't tell. I think is, and, um, I think, I, I think now that I've reflected on it with the chasing thing, I think it's about, wait, I just had a brain freeze. <laughs> um, hold on. It's, um, it's about how available you are. I think, I think being too available isn't attractive. So I think if, if you're busy, if you have a life and that's exciting to the girl, so there's a little bit of a chase or, but, um, yeah, as far as the play, like playing games, I'm not so much a fan of that. So I'm not the best person to ask perhaps with like the yeah. kind of manipulating games, if that's what you mean. Yeah. Like, but well, I think I it's good. So. I think it's good to have a life yeah. and to not always be so readily available at a girl's fingertips. Yeah. Well, I guess the question, it could have been posed a little bit better because um, I gave you just like a, a very concise blanket statement. Um, but I, I think you're right. Like what this shows me is there's probably levels to it, right? So what I was thinking uh, is like the uh, so, uh, a way that I would consider a guy doing a good job of getting a girl to chase him. Like yeah, an example would be great. Not being so yeah. sold, easily sold, right? But then the other example, which you brought up was like, am I going to intentionally take forever to respond just, just so she's the one who texted me back 
uh, sooner or first. Um, and then I also think the other parallel, which is also equally as as bad and seems even more tryhard, which is like the guy who's at the party and he's like too cool to like show a smile and he's just standing there with the drink in front of his chest and he expects girls to come up to him. Yeah. And then he goes home at the end of the night alone. And he wonders, well, why didn't the cool guy act work? It's because you can't just be non-existent. You got to actually be, get her attention and then, you know, start sparking that tension, but also not being so easily sold. So I think, yeah. you know. There, sure. This is uh, brought up some uh, different different angles of looking at it that even yeah. I didn't. I have you know, I have another angle, so I think another way to approach this question, which I'm very passionate about, is um, I think that it also kind of boils down to we could talk about it in terms of standards. So something that personally I find really unattractive is like if I just have to show up and be hot, like if a guy just likes me and I don't have to do anything, I actually I actually dislike it. I'm like. I think I enjoy like in t to some extent having to prove myself because it shows me that the guy has high standards and he's not just settling for like the first person that meets like his aesthetic criteria. Yeah. So in so that sense, I enjoy, I enjoy knowing that the guy likes me for very specific customized reasons that he has learned over time and I've been able to like show him. So and not to not because as a girl, there's so many guys that just, if I want, you know, I'm not just saying this in like a bad way, but, or in a cocky way, but basically as a girl, if you don't look like Shrek and maybe even if you do, you know, a, a lot of guys will just be your boyfriend because you talk to them. Cause we're, it's like, it's, I'm sorry, but it's true. So it's like, I like to know that this person actually has standards and qualities and things that he's looking for. So I guess in that sense, I do think there's a, there's something to be said for a chase. Yeah. I guess the way I like to describe it um, is it's almost like the light at the end of the tunnel, right? You, you're not so easily sold, so you're not giving her the whole thing. But mm -hmm. the other thing you brought up is like, if a guy seems like he's just playing games, I would say that's like, the way I would describe it is like the guy's too much of a challenge. He's like, he's not giving her the light at the end of the tunnel. He's just like, this is my, my game that I'm playing, which is I'm going to constantly disqualify you constantly make you trace constantly make you seem like I'm not interested. And I think one thing I've learned from, from experience is like taking that to the extreme to where it's not like you are slowly winning each other over and towards a, like taking two to tango type of thing. It's uh we're playing games here. And eventually if if he's not showing interest back, you as a woman, you're going to either think he's gay or you're going to lose interest and just move on to someone else who's actually going to give you a better time. Yeah, it's just I'm really about like direct communication. So I guess for me personally, like these constant games just wouldn't work for me. But I know some people might like that. But if you're going to play a game, make sure it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> What's a fun game? I don't know. I have no idea what a fun game is, but I'm saying, you know, don't like, don't do something that's just manipulative and like, that's just, yeah, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. There's no reward. And also make sure that it's not inauthentic and you're just putting on this whole thing because eventually you're going to be in a relationship and then you're going to have to be yourself. So yeah, I, I'm more of a, I'm more of team direct over here personally. Yeah. No, I definitely, uh, I I'm, I'm the kind of the same way. I'm like, obviously my brand is called raw dating advice. So I, I like to be very direct. Um, and, and I guess in a, in a sense where I'm like very blunt, um, but like talking to girls, I guess approaching is where I, I go like, 
when I'm approaching, I'm going to let that kind of play itself out and let the sexual tension develop rather than always just saying, yeah. Hey, I'm into you, girl. I'm into you. We have connection. We should date. Yeah, I'm into no. you. Are you into me? You know? Yeah. Like as someone who's been approached, the times that it works is when it feels natural. Mm. When you get approached by a guy or like, even if a guy talks to you in your own dating life, um, do you feel like because you're a female dating coach for men that you're almost, you almost are more critical of the things that they do, or would you say you give them more of a benefit of the doubt type of chance? Um, I think that it's given me a lot more. I think I've gotten a lot of clarity on specifically like what I'm looking for, why I'm looking for and all this stuff. But I think there are some things where I've learned to give not, I guess, give people a little bit of a benefit of the doubt, but at the end of the day, like for example, if someone's really intimidated by my job, then I'm not going to be interested in them because it just shows it's not even, a, it's not actually about my job. It's about something deeper. So I think it depends on what it is, but um, yeah, I think in general, I just have a lot more clarity about what I'm looking for, but I do, I do understand that, you know, I'm not perfect in dating either. I think that's what people don't understand is yeah. like, I fuck up all the time. Like it's, so it's just, it's like, we're human. So I think in terms of realizing that we're all humans, then yeah, I'm totally happy to give people benefit of the doubt. I think the thing is I've just upfront and more clear before I even meet someone, I have a better sense of before I meet someone, if I'm interested or not, I guess. So, but then, but then it's like, yeah, we're all humans and we fuck up. So I would say yeah. I do. That makes sense. Um, so let's kind of wrap this up here, but I have a few quick kind of rapid fire questions I want to throw at you. All right. Okay. Um, all right. So hit me. <laughs> Uh, how long should you date? Uh, and you, you can choose to give as in depth or as shallow of an answer as you want. How long should a guy and a girl generally be dating before it becomes a relationship? I think that depends on the two people, to be honest. Okay. Who, who should bring up, uh, making it a relationship? Do you think it's, um, uh, a thing where a guy should come to that moment and like, say, will you be my girlfriend or vice versa? I think the person who, you know, want, I think if you want something to turn into a relationship, you should have a direct, clear conversation about it as soon as that comes up for you. Mm. So it could be either not to give you the, sorry, if these are more context dependent, but yeah, I think if, if as the guy or the girl, if that's something that's really important to you and you're, you don't have clarity, you need to get that clarity as soon as possible. Okay. So if a guy finds himself, um, maybe hanging out with this girl on a consistent basis and he likes her, do you think he should be the one to, or like he's starting to see, think I like this girl enough to where I want her to be my girlfriend. And I feel like guys are probably in general, they probably come to that moment sooner, I would say than girls yeah. sometimes if, if they're like yeah. super easily sold on like her looks. Um, do you think it is the masculine role to like, just bring it up and say, Hey, yeah. I think this is becoming serious. Or do you think it should be more of like a, a letting the, whether or not the guy's there or not, letting the girl reach that point before that conversation is had. I think the conversation should come up where if the, if a guy feels that way and say like, Hey, this is like, you know, I'm really enjoying hanging out. I think we're having a really good connection and I could see myself having a relationship with you. And I was just wondering like where you're at with all this, like how you're feeling and, you know, and basically just having that really direct, clear conversation. And if she's like, Hey, I really like you too, but I'm still unsure, you know, let's like, and just sort of continue to reassess and do an audit of where you're, where you two are at. That makes sense. 
Um, all right. So if any guy wants to check out more of your stuff, where they, where should they check you out? Instagram website yeah. somewhere? Instagram is Tessa Mac, T E S S A M A C. My website is tessamac.com and the practice dating is datedemo.com. So, and then if you want to check me out on five or two, but it's the same prices <laughs> as anywhere else. Okay, cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and you know, we'll definitely have to have you back. I, I enjoyed this conversation. Oh yeah, let's do it. Thank you so much. Awesome. All right. See you.